This is the Q&A with Deandra Wardell from her Kata in the Community webinar. For the webinar presentation audio, look for the previous episode here in this podcast feed. Um, Deandra, maybe we'll start with, I think, a relatively simple tactical question um, from Heinz. Sure. What's the name of the blue reminder card that you showed? Where can people get that Kata card? Okay. The, the name of this card is called the five question coaching card. And it is actually available on, um, and, and one, one link I did not have handy, but if you Google Toyota Kata, um, or if you go to Mike Rother's Twitter, there are all type of resources that, that Mike freely shares. And one of them is this Kata card. And actually, um, I, I do have where you can find it. It is in the Kata in the Classroom information, katatogrow.com, K-A-T-A-T-O-G-R-O-W.com. That's also where you can find the information to run um, a Kata in the Classroom simulation. Um, so that's where you can find that information. And um, thank you to Eric. He beat me to the punch. Um, he copied and pasted um, the link to Mike Rother's Coaching Kata website, which has that card that you can download and mm -hmm. print and, uh, and use part of yes. all of the, uh, we, we love Mike's book, um, the Toyota Kata, but he has a lot that's just freely available um, on his website. Um, we've got a couple of questions that are in a similar theme about mm -hmm. becoming a coach. So I'm going to read a couple related questions sure. and maybe you can combine them. Um, mm -hmm. Is there a preferred level of skill or credential for someone to be a coach? Um, what's the minimum number of kata coaching cycles? Or what, what are the number of cycles of kata that a coach should go through? So I guess being a, a learner, how many cycles should you go through before trying to be a coach? Um, how important is it to be proficient in lean and other continuous improvement methods to coach this process? Those are the three related coaching questions. What okay. Think, yeah. So the, those are all excellent questions. And I, and I want to start out with addressing, you know, how long or how many cycles should you, should you go through to be a learner? Um, there are different schools of thought around this. Um, you know, some uh, recommend um, 20 cycles or, you know, there's a number of storyboards that are recommended um, that you go through at least, um, you know, up to 10 storyboards. But, the, the, the main thing in terms of, of being a learner, you want to start practicing and along the way, because you're going to learn something, you know, with each experiment and the closer and closer you get to your target condition and, and you'll be able to recognize when, and, and your coach will guide you uh, when you're ready to take on your next target condition, when you're ready to start your next storyboard. Now, in terms of being a coach, there's no quote unquote certification that is required, although there are certifications that are, are being offered. I know Tilo Schwartz does offer a certification, but, you know, in, in true improvement kata, coaching kata fashion, mm -hmm. you learn by doing. And when you start out as a coach, um, that's where it's very important to have the second coach. I remember when I introduced the Toyota Kata to my organization, um, there were only two of us who knew about the Toyota Kata. It was myself and a member of my team. And, and we had a need to accelerate it. And so that's where Tracy Defoe was so helpful that she came in as, um, you know, as a consultant and coached me. And then as I was learning, as I had my storyboard, 
and I needed a coach, the member of my team, Tracy served as a second coach and, you know, would monitor and observe, um, you know, each one of those coaching sessions and then would give me feedback, you know, when it was uh, her and I one-on-one, or sometimes I would ask for that feedback to be shared within that um, coaching session at the end with the learner, because that particular learner had aspirations and there were plans and goals for that person to become a coach. Um, So, you know, it's, you know, um, there can be situations where two learners, you know, you've read the book, you may have gone through the online training that's offered by Dr. Liker, you've experienced Mike Rother's website, Um, you have limited coaches within your facility, but you want to start out small, you want to start out with a small process that's close to what your daily work is, but then also you can reach out and, um, you know, have an external coach to come in and help. Now, the third question about the tools, I, um, I am so appreciative of whoever it is to ask that question, because people have this assumption that I need to be, you know, have a certification, Lean Six Sigma certified, have this huge background. And one of the things that makes the Toyota Kata so practical and useful for everyone is it focuses on the the scientific thinking approach. It's those four steps. And what you find is that when you have, when you're, when you have a target condition you're trying to reach and whatever that obstacle is that you perceive as preventing you from reaching that target condition, usually what happens is you'll discover, you know, one of the lean tools may arise that, you know, will, that you will need to use as a way of practice and experimenting and getting you closer to your target condition. So as an improver or a learner, you know, do you have to know the ins and outs of, of lean tools? No. Um, as a coach, I do think it's helpful that you are familiar, um, you know, with the plan, do, check, act cycle and um, some of the other tools that are available to help guide. And it's and it's not about I'm teaching you these tools, but oftentimes from whatever obstacle, whatever it is you want to experiment, the need for a tool arises. And, and sometimes it's the case the improver or learner discovers that they may not know exactly what that tool is, but that's an opportunity when the coach can introduce it. Thanks, Yandra. There's um, two different questions I'll combine um, asking about Kata and A3. Um, first off, how does Kata differ from the A3 process? Both identify problems, set targets, root cause, and countermeasures or experiments to improve. And then Beth asks, is the difference between Kata and an A3 the size of the improvement or project? Okay. So, you know, the Kata and the A3 are very interconnected. And I want to, um, if you remember the slide where I showed um, as you're experimenting between the current condition and the target condition, and how you're running those plan, do, check, act cycles along the way of whatever it is you're experimenting with. So, you know, plan, do, check, act is embedded, or plan, do, study, act is embedded in the A3. And um, and, and what we're looking at in an A3, you're, you know, you want to understand your current condition. You want to look at what your target condition, what it is, your target that you're trying to set. Um, You want to understand what's at the root. Why is there a gap between the current and the target condition. And as a result of addressing those root causes, that's how you determine 
well, what countermeasure it is that you want to take. And as a result of implementing or piloting that countermeasure, you want to go back and study it. You know, what was your hypothesis about what this countermeasure would address and what was the outcome? And if it was what you expected, well, then how can we standardize this and make it part of the process? And if it wasn't what you expected, well, then what's the next experiment we need to run? And it follows that plan, do, check, act cycle. And all of that mirrors and it complements perfectly the steps of the Toyota kata because um, you know the big thing is that I think the the kata helps us with is the alignment especially within organizations because we have huge strategic goals that we want to reach or these objectives these long-term objectives that may be phrased as a challenge but we have to start somewhere and um, and we may not be exactly sure the steps that we're going to take to achieve whatever the milestone is and so the kata helps us to have um, to be open to thinking about new things, to be thinking outside the box, to really delve into that creativity. Um, it really encourages and in the, in the role of the improver and the coach working together, which that should be the relationship that's mirrored between employees and managers and, and, and supervisors and what have you. And it's about, you know, working together to reach a goal and, and you're documenting it along the way. Um, and and the the slide I had shared with the starter kata, you know, one of the the tools that's on there and it's also on the website are the PDCA cycle records. And so whatever it is you're going to experiment or you want to test is documented in those records. You know, the difference with the improvement kata is is the experiments are more rapid. You're, you know, you're testing things daily. You know, we hear about Kaizen events or uh, A3 events, as some companies even call them, where they may be one time. The difference is the improvement kata and the, and the coaching kata gets us to practicing daily. So we see improvements. We see these skills being built on a more rapid and frequent basis because it's part of our daily habit and our daily practice. I mean, I, and I'll, I'll ask a follow-up. I'm still new Takata. I call myself mm-hmm. a t-shirt that says lean geek. I, I, I don't, I haven't earned the title um, Kata geek, but like when I look at the improvement Kata model, root cause is not specifically spelled out. And mm-hmm. in my experience, like I don't take it as dogma that we always need to find a root cause, like mm-hmm. for small Kaizen improvements or for so other situations. If we have a reasonable countermeasure to test, or we could say if we have a reasonable next experiment to run, mm-hmm. that can be in lieu of root cause analysis. What do you do? You agree with that, Deandra, or what would you say? I, I I do agree with that, and I think something else that's really important about the kata and as it as it as it relates to root cause because. Um, you know, in the in the very first or in the, in, in the second step, when you're grasping the current condition, and um, there's actually on page 99 of the Toyota Practice Guide, there is a current condition analysis, and what it really helps us to do is learn as much as we can about the process, mm-hmm. study how the process operates, study the patterns, um, you know, look, you know, checking equipment capacity, um, you know, calculate the customer demand rate, the plan cycle time. You know, we want to understand everything about how the process performs. And, you know, what I have experienced as a learner and even as a coach, as a result of of diving deep in that process, 
and understanding how it operates with whatever target we're setting that we want to accomplish. Oftentimes, something is observed as a result of studying that process that really guides us to the next step that we want to practice. And when we think about those obstacles or what we perceive as preventing us from reaching that target, you know, that's where we're drilling and getting to and figuring out, is this really an obstacle? Is this, you know, it's something that we need to do further root cause analysis? And that's what leads us and guides us to running those experiments. And so although, you know, those steps are not spelled out and, and um, um, Mark, uh, Rosenberg, what is Rosenthal. it? Mark Rosenthal. 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 I'm trying to give him a new name. Mark Rosenthal on, on his website, The Lean Thinker, uh, does an excellent job of showing the correlation between the A3 and the Toyota Kata. And um, again, for me, what, what, what makes the Toyota Kata so useful is because it's so practical. And whether you're from a continuous improvement background or a lean background, or you're a lean geek or Kata geek, you can still learn it and you can still apply it to whatever process it is that you're seeking to improve or whatever skill it is you want to develop or whatever skill it is you want to learn. Thanks, uh, Deandra. And we've got so many, good, <clears throat> so many good questions, even though my voice gave out there. We can continue for a couple of minutes. We'll sure. keep, we'll share the full recording for anyone who has to drop off. Um, you, you're talking about targets, and Eric asks uh, a question here. What level of clarity might be required regarding defining the challenge or target conditions to most effectively use the improvement kata? Okay. So I, I hope I'm... Um... I hope I'm understanding your question correctly. Is it the case that, you know, is it, is it trying to understand how specific you need to be about the target? Is that, is that? that I, yeah. That? I mean, like to me, that would be a form of clarity. Um, like another way of asking this maybe is, you know, how do we know if we've stated the challenge or target conditions correctly or at the right level? Okay. That, okay. So that makes sense. So first of all, the thing to keep in mind about the challenge, the challenge typically comes from above. So if you think of in an organization, the challenge is something that comes out of the worker strategic planning um, is typically shared from the supervisor or a member of management. And that's the overall, you know, what we're trying to accomplish within, you know, a longer term, six months, three years, or what have you. So the challenge should be very clear. When you look at the current condition or the target process that you want to work on, the learner should be focusing on a process that's a part of their daily work. And so when I um, shared the example earlier about um, working in a printing and packaging company, um, so, you know, the senior leaders come up with their visions and strategies of what it is they want to accomplish for the customers. But when you look at those people who are, are working in the press room, their work is specifically related to the output of that press in terms of the product that they're delivering. So whatever their target condition is, um, their target condition should be a part of their work. It's part of their target process, but whatever goal it is that they've set or objective that they've set, it should be aligned with what the vision is. It should be aligned with what the challenge is. So if it is the case that a company says, wouldn't it be great if um, our customers received their product when they requested it on time and in the way in which they paid for it, you know, whatever finishes or whatever coatings. And so um, uh, that press room operator may 
find some challenges with setting up their machine in such a way that gets the coding right on the first time. Okay, they may have to run something through multiple times because something is off with the ink or with the coatings. So their target condition, it may be small enough of, you know, you know, how can I improve upon getting the exact settings to run this particular job the first time? That may be my target condition. And that's something that I want to accomplish within four weeks. And so that person will look at the current condition and look like, look at how they currently set up the press to run the codings. And is it, you know, a matter of, um, and again, they're not trying to problem solve. They want to understand everything about that process, because as a result of understanding everything about the process, that will lead and guide them into the next steps they want to take to reach that target condition that they've set for their work. And again, that target condition aligns with the overall challenge about delivering that value to the customer and what they expect. So that, that's, that's an example, but the target condition should always be aligned with whatever the challenge is for the organization. And that can be um, in a, a manufacturing environment or in a volunteer organization. And that's why you see um, in the steps of the kata how they're all aligned. Um, you don't see a person working on a target condition that's going in the opposite direction of the challenge. They're all connected. Mm -hmm. So we've got a couple of questions related to coaching. Okay. One sort of comes back to the starter kata um, where Helen asks, I have my first coach and they're experienced, but they're not sticking to the card with me and I'm not experienced. Should I insist that we do it all by the book until I have more experience? How do you all handle that as experienced coaches with new learners? Well, that that is a very good question. And, um, you know, a, a key part of that is, um, you know, kind of going back to the kata code, beginners practice the kata exactly. And, and part of that and the, part of the reason why you want to stick to the card is because, again, you're wanting to embed that 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 practice, that mindset, that thinking. Now, there are times when a coach may go a little deeper. They may ask some additional questions. Um, sometimes I refer to that as stepping away from the card. Um, and that's because, you know, you want to, you don't want to just be robotic and go from question to question and, 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 and there's no learning taking place. And you've just asked the questions for the sake of the questions being asked. But along the way, you may, you know, when you ask what is your target condition, um, if the learner is unclear, there may be some additional clarifying questions that you should ask, but you should always stick to the coaching card, especially at the beginning. And the other thing to keep in mind as well, um, as part of being a new learner and, and learning and practicing to start a kata, it all goes back to the storyboard. So the storyboard for each session should be set up in such a way the information should be there so that, you know, it does follow the five question cards. So it may be the case if, you know, there, there, was, there was some opportunity to maybe revisit how the coaching session is being set up, um, you know, the status of the storyboard, um, you know, is the coach delving and going into some deeper questions to to get the learner to do some additional reflection but it, it may warrant you know just asking your coach that question and the other thing about um, why 
I enjoy the kana so much is because the relationship that it builds. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as a res- it creates a safe space where the learner realizes that they don't have to have the right answer and they're not being judged. This entire experience is to benefit the learner. And as a result of that, trust is built. Um, you know, there's a level of, of engagement um, that takes place and it's all for the benefit of the learner. So that was a very long response to say there could be a number of reasons why that coach may be asking different questions. And you can just simply say, hey, I sat in on a webinar where they talked about, you know, the starter kata and the five coaching questions or the, the five question card. Um, you know, why are additional questions being asked or why are we skipping the step and, and, and see what you learn from, from, from running that experiment and talking with your coach. So there's a couple related questions related to coaches and organizational capability. Um, one question asks, how do we start Toyota Kata when we have a lack of coaches? Second question says, I love Kata coaching, but there isn't anyone at work to be a second coach for me. What can I do to help reflect on my own? So I guess the question is, how can I be my own second coach. And then there's another question that says, my company is probably not willing to take on the investment in an outside coach. What can we do to build those skills internally? Those are okay. those questions in a, in a nutshell. Okay. And so that goes back to, you know, what I was sharing earlier, and especially from uh, Tracy Defoe's presentation. Um, you know, the Kana community is one of the most generous communities that I've I, I, I've ever observed. And um, so a challenge that was issued during Kodakon 7 was for coaches to coach without charging. And it and it doesn't have to be someone that you know, because we realize, and especially with what we experienced last year in the pandemic, um, you know, different, you know, companies, organizations, they they may be challenged and, and this investment cost might be a challenge. So uh, I would definitely, the different links that have been shared in terms of how you can connect with the community, especially, um, you know, the, the Kata schools, there's so much information that's shared among the Kata Girl Geek community. It's some of the most experienced Kata coaches that are out there. And, you know, there are a number of coaches who are willing to, to, to make those services available. Um, and then the other thing, too, for the person who asked about, um, you know, in an environment where you don't have a coach, how do you how do you go about getting a coach and even a second coach? Again, I would go back to all the links that have been shared of how to connect with a coach. You definitely want to do that. And then, um, you know, I go back to when, when the company where I work, it was just myself and one other person. So there was a need to reach out to an external coach. Thankfully, we're in a virtual environment now where, you know, we have Zoom and we have Teams. And, um, you know, we, a number of us have been practicing the kata remotely for a period of time. And that, and that's something that we can do. So, um, you know, please don't let that, that be uh, a challenge for you. And if you have questions specifically, my contact information is here. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm able to coach you, I will, you know, be definitely be willing. And then, like I said, there are a number of us in the Kata community and no matter, I know there are people from different, um, parts of the world. And again, connecting with those Kata schools, you know, that's a great place for resources, for information, and even to get connected with a coach. There's another coaching question. I have 30 people that report to me, how many should I coach at a time? Should I only coach my supervisor or include others 
in the coaching sessions as well. So there's a couple questions altogether there from Alan. Okay. So Alan, you know, um, you know, there, the story or the, at the start of Kata, it's focusing on coaching one person, you know, one person at a storyboard with a target condition that they're working on. Um, that learner, that improver may be working on a team project, but you have the one person who is involved, um, you know, who is responsible for updating the, the storyboard and going through the coaching cycle and asking questions. Um, you know, in terms of what's recommended, it's really according to what your bandwidth is. Um, but one of the things I would encourage is starting small. And and it may, it may be the case because that's that was my practice. I, I wanted to make sure that it wasn't, you know, I wanted to make sure everyone had a good experience and, and I needed to learn as well as a new coach. And so I started out small. I started out with, you know, coaching my direct reports and each of them having a storyboard and we practiced as learner and coaches and then each of them found one person to coach. And um, there, uh, Dr. William Harvey at Peter Kramer, North America, he has taken his organization. They've been on this journey, I believe, for at least maybe four or five years. And they have a rather large organization. And they're at a point now to where they have about uh, 20 to 40 improvers and coaches. But what they're learning is as they start out small, focusing on, you know, training, you know, with the senior leaders and training supervisors and, and just cascading down to those members of management and then engaging all the staff, it's beginning to grow and it's sustained because it's a part of the daily practice, it's part of the daily habit, it's incorporated into the work. And as people begin to see the results and how it affects the culture change, more and more people are becoming excited and it begins to expand and grow. Uh, but don't feel like you have to put pressure on yourself that you need to, you know, coach X amount of people, it's okay to start out small, realizing that it's opportunity to grow. And then if you do want to grow your coaches more exponentially, that's again where, you know, take advantage of the online training that's available, take advantage of the resources that are available, um, you know, from the Kata coaching schools. If you're a coach and you're looking to improve your skills, you know, again, take advantage of the workshop that Tilo has coming up um, that helps to, you to accelerate, um, you know, your coaching abilities, but don't feel like you have to boil the ocean all at once. You can even, you know, people even apply practicing the kata with introducing the kata. And again, it's not an implementation. It's something that you want to be a part of your regular culture and how it is that you do business. And it's okay to take those, you know, incremental steps at a time to get you where you want to be on that journey. All right. Thanks. Um, another uh, question from Ahmed who asks, do you have any advice on coaching people who are non-technical and trying to help them establish an understanding of scientific thinking? Oh, my goodness, yes. And that's been a, a large part of my work is, um, you know, working with people who are non-technical and, you know, maybe who even not, maybe um, who do not have a continuous improvement background because it starts with you know, again, the why, what is it that we're trying to accomplish? What is it that we're trying to accomplish as an organization or as a team or as a, you know, a nonprofit or what have you, you know, everybody has this vision and then getting the improver or learner to see 
how what it is that they do, either as an employee or as an volunteer or as a board member, how the work that they do connects with that vision. And then get them to thinking about, you know, I, I like to phrase, although the wouldn't it be great is phrased in the form of for the challenge to think about the um, long-term goals, that wouldn't it be great is, is great to get a new learner or improver thinking about ways to improve their processes. And, and, and having some initial dialogue about a target process that they want to focus on, a process that they want to improve, um, a new skill that they want to develop or learn. And then, you know, once that's identified, really have them doing the work to understand everything about how that process operates. Okay, um, you know, graph it out, have them to do um, a block diagram, not where they have to do a really detailed um, value string map, a process flow. But what are the you know five main steps of that process and understand everything that that is incorporated into that. And then from there, helping them to see, you know, well, what's the next small step you want to take on the way to improving upon this process, learning the skill. And, you know, and, and again, just applying those steps of the improvement kata along the way. And, and if you don't have the Toyota Kata Practice Guide, um, that is another resource. And uh, along with the, um, the information from Mike Rother's website that provides a lot of guidance on how, you know, no matter if a person's not technical, but, you know, how they can still apply these steps to whatever process it is that they're a part of, again, whether it's in manufacturing, whether it's in an office environment, whether it's a volunteer or, you know, something, a project that a person is working on within the community. All right. Well, I think we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap things up. Thank you for running uh, about 20 minutes uh, long, Deandra, but um, thank no you to problem. everybody for the great questions and uh, for being here today. So uh, our, our, again, I really want to thank our presenter, Deandra Wardell. You can learn more about her and her work at um, deandrawardell.com. And as you also see there on screen, um, rootcauseracism.com. Um, and encourage you to check out uh, the different blog series. There are some previous panel discussions that Deandra and or I have hosted and moderated as part of the series. But I'm really glad you could share, I think, you know, a great, you know, introductory view of Toyota Kata, but then it went beyond the introductory with, I think, some great tips and then sharing reflections from KataCon 7. So thank you for bringing all that to us here today, Deandra. Anything you want to say is kind of a last word. Yes. So again, thank you, Mark, and to everyone who's participating for this opportunity. And, you know, I, I say this all the time, the, the Toyota Kata is life-changing. Um, it changed my management style. It has had such an impact on my life. Um, in my vision to create a world of problem solvers, I see Toyota Kata as the way to do that. And um, wherever there are people and processes, the Toyota Kata works. And so no matter where you are on your journey, if you're brand new, just, just dip your toe in the water, start practicing, start learning. Don't go it alone. This community is so large. This community is so warm and engaging and encouraging. Get connected in, in the different ways that I've shared. Get started and don't stop. You know, continue on your journey. Keep moving on to the next one and make Toyota Kata part of whatever it is that you're doing, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's in your home, whether it's with your hobbies, in your community. Um, just get connected to the Toyota Kata. 
Well, thanks. Thanks again, Deandra. Thanks everyone for coming. And uh, we'll see you, I hope, for future webinars. Again, the next presentation webinar will be April 14th. You can register at kinexus.com slash webinars. I think you'll be able to do so soon. So thanks again. Take care, everyone.